Hey, what's good? This is Rich, and you're listening to Paychecks and Balances, where it's all about navigating your finances and career so you can achieve the freedom you want. And speaking of freedom, it is the day after MLK Day here in the States, and I guess really all around the world. And honestly, MLK Day hit differently this year, especially considering the events of the past year, but honestly, even the events of the past couple of weeks. And it's crazy to think that this week, when inauguration is also going to happen here in the States, could be even crazier, depending on when you hear this. So I'm starting to feel a little bit anxious, but everything that's going on in this world is not lost on me. I just want this to be a bit of an escape for you, given that you're probably getting bombarded with messages about everything else that's happening everywhere else. And on today's show, I'm talking with the founder of a fintech company that also wants to help people create freedom in their lives. But I did have a few updates, starting with a financial one, even though I kind of started with an update. But I mentioned on the 10 Habits episode, so the first episode that I dropped of 2021, that I was putting the bulk of my performance bonus into my 401k so I could quickly move into after-tax contributions. And I had a few people reach out asking if I got the full company match when I made the contribution. And the answer is yes. But I found out that not every employer's 401k offering makes it easy to get the full match if you do choose to use your full performance bonus at the beginning of the year towards your 401k. So this is a reminder to check your plan details. And you should do this generally before taking any advice, but particularly before making a similar move because you want to make sure that you don't leave money on the table unintentionally. Second, if you've been thinking about a career move this year, be sure to get my free five-step guide to changing your day job at changeyourdayjob.com. I've also got an audio course of the same name available exclusively on the Himalaya Learning Platform exclusively is what I meant to say. And you can get access to that and other great educational content by visiting Himalaya.com slash dayjob. Again, that's Himalaya.com slash dayjob and enter code dayjob at checkout. Third, I posed a question on the at Paybalance's Instagram page that I wanted to pose here, and that's what can you sell? Now, one of the big themes this year for me is to make more money. And I'm expecting that to come in a lot of different ways. And I recently did an hour of consulting for someone and it didn't feel like work because I was passionate about the topic and I knew the area really well. So what's that area that you know really well or that people always come to you for where maybe you could get paid for an hour or 30 minutes of your time? Or maybe you've got gadgets or other items that you haven't used in a while and you could potentially sell those things. So for example, when I was getting ready to move a few months ago, I used Facebook Marketplace and ended up making about $1,500 for items that I had sitting around and not just tech, but even dishes, glasses, all sorts of things that I was easily able to get rid of. And I'm going through an old tech check right now where I'm looking for older technology that I might be able to sell via a platform like a Facebook Marketplace or even something like declutter and that's D-E-C-L-U-T-T-R. There's also let go. And there's a number of other platforms that make it easy for you to be able to sell stuff. And if you're not someone who has a bunch of stuff to get rid of, or maybe there's not a service that immediately comes to mind that you can offer based off of the things that people come to you for, maybe you create stuff that people always ask you where you bought it only for you to have to tell them that you made it yourself and especially in this zoom world if you have art if you have things that are up in the background that people ask you about or you find yourself wearing a t-shirt out that you created for yourself and you always get questions and comments about it that is something that you could also sell especially in this work from home world so i'm going to pose the question again what can you sell 
And don't let having a website or some big brand launch or social media presence stop you from getting started. I did that for a number of years myself, thinking everything had to be perfect because I was looking at what other people were doing. And there are enough platforms out there that make selling easy, no matter what it is. And I'm talking about legally. I'm not talking about any of that Silk Road nonsense or the other parts of the dark web. So I'm going to challenge you, if you're not actively selling something, to try to make a list of everything, whether item or service, and start with the easiest. And if consulting, set up a Calendly or another scheduling software. I know there's Acuity, 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 scheduling, whatever it is, so that people can easily book a time and pay. If you've got stuff to get rid of, I mentioned a couple of platforms that you could use. So go take those pictures and complete those listings. And again, most importantly, do not overthink this. Otherwise, you'll be leaving money on the table that should be yours. And this is the second time now where I'm saying don't leave money on the table. So, all right, let me step down off this soapbox. As for today's episode, I'm chatting with the founder of an app slash banking service that helped me get a handle on my food budget and is about to help me get a handle on a few other categories. And I even mentioned them on my 10 Habits episode, which if you did not listen to that at the beginning of January, I encourage you to check that out. And no, it was not sponsored, but today's episode is. And we get into why he switched from financial planning to creating an app that allows people to better manage their everyday money, how this app differs from some of the other fintechs and big banks that are out there, the role that freedom plays in managing your money, which of course I love to talk about and we do talk about a bit more. So I am speaking with Ryan Clark, founder and CEO of Cube Money, and that's Cube with a Q, so Q-U-B-E. And while this episode is sponsored, I want to be clear that Cube had no editorial input into the conversation or the finished product. I'm always going to keep it fully transparent and on the up and up. I believe in what they're doing. I'm actually using the product and I was comfortable uh, having them come onto the show and talk a bit more about it because I do think it could help a lot of people given that it is also helping me. And it turns out that our values are also way more aligned than I even thought. So please do enjoy this episode. Here is my conversation with Ryan, and I hope you enjoy. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rich. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. So I told the Paychecks and Balances audience a little bit about Cube in my New Year episode in terms of this concept of budget-based banking, because I know it's been super helpful to me. And I'd be saying that regardless of if you were on the podcast today. And so for those that are unfamiliar with you, tell the PNB family a little bit about your background. Well, fantastic. I love that phrase also, budget-based banking. Thank you for coining that. I think that's, that's very accurate um, and putting the two together. So my story is that I spent about 13 years as a planner and coach, uh, financial planner and coach, and uh, I was very successful. Had a lot of a lot of really uh, great people that I was able to work with. And my my practice always focused not so much in investments, but really in personal finance. I always found more of a connection to people there and more of a passion. Um, growing up, my family. Both my parents worked. We struggled with debt all the time, and there was always this financial uh, negativity around. We didn't know how to talk about money. My parents would argue about it, and anyway, so that was that was something that that I want to do better with, right? And I think a lot of people have similar stories where they came from a background like that and then wanted to do better. But during that process, during that time, I was constantly, well, frequently, I should say, frequently frustrated with budgeting. Because if, if you think about it, everything that you want to do in life stems from how you control 
the resources that you're given, right? Money is a resource and how you control that. It builds what I like to call a financial house, right? The, the cash flow becomes that foundation, how you control it, builds the walls, builds the roof, builds the kitchen inside the home entertainment system, everything, right? It's all, it's how that is controlled. And it was actually during a time when I was writing a book and developing some software around that book that I was just, I was getting really annoyed that I didn't have anything better for the cash flow control portion. Mm-hmm. And I began working with a couple uh, that made amazing money, $250,000 a year. And a lot of people would think with a quarter million a year of income, you wouldn't have financial problems, right? But mm-hmm. no, these guys had the big house, they had the nice cars, they had a garage filled with toys all the toys. They had the best seats at the sporting events and the shows. They were spending it and spending it and spending it. And there was a time when the husband called me, he was driving home from work and he said, Ryan, I don't want the last, I don't want the the next 10 years to be like the last 10. Mm -hmm. And how many times have we all been in that situation where we're like, where'd the money go? Or, you know, what happened the last decade? Right, last week. <laughs> right. So there's definitely a tracking issue, but it's but it's more than that. People have been tracking finances forever. It's about that moment of when you're in the decision, when you're in that spot of needing to make a decision to spend, that's when change can occur. And anyway, ultimately, this couple, they started with me. I got them on a great plan. I put them on one of the best apps that I thought was out there ever. And I was like, this thing's great. Do you guys try it out? They got going. And sure enough, four months in or so, they fell off the plan because that system was ancillary to their actual money, right? The bank account is where the real money was. And then the system just did tracking and tried to influence that relationship. But it's fake because the money was over there. Really, they could go spend thousands of dollars. It didn't matter that they had $500 in their food envelope. It didn't matter, right? So from there, I went and uh, I contacted a friend and said, hey, is it possible to build a system like cash envelopes where we can have the bank be the budget and the budget be the bank? It's all one system. You can't bypass it. This is just how it works. And uh, six months later, we uh, founded Cube. and or Back then, it was proactive. We started out calling it proactive budget. And uh, that's the origin story right there, Rich. Now, entrepreneurship, being a financial planner, I mean, that's entrepreneurship too. But when you get into the software world, that is something that's completely different. And it sounds like you had done some software related work before this. So I'm just curious about that process of going from being a financial planner and, and using software to work with your clients to the process of now I want to create software that people can use in their daily lives. I'm I'm pretty handy with Excel and had built several tools that were pretty robust in my practice that a lot of my agents would use. Well, we would all use it. Um, and it allowed us to do planning very quickly and and follow our, our strategy and method, but be very effective. So that was really all my background. I think the, the the cooler part really, and I think this is the case for most entrepreneurs, is there's a belief. Um, and there's a cause because for me, all of a sudden, after this couple fell off the plan, and I didn't mention this, but about a year later, they even divorced, um, mm. partially because of financial pressures. That hits me also. My parents divorced uh, when I was 17, not primarily for finances, but again, it was a factor. So 
there's that cause. And really for me, it was like, I have an idea. I think this could help people. Can it be done? And you just start going and trying to solve a problem. And uh, that was five years ago. Uh, five years ago, set out on this path. I said six months later. So six months from the lunch meeting with my friend, Richard Holden. And then we founded the company. We uh, submitted for a patent. But we've had a lot of ups and downs. The technology to do this has not been has not been easy and it hasn't really been commonplace. This isn't off the, the shelf stuff. It was very, it's been hard. We're on to our fourth yeah. processor because most processors can't, they just don't have the speed to process and deal with everything at the, at the speed and at the accuracy that we have to have to make, this, to make this work. And when you say processor, what do you mean by that? So with a lot of technology, and this also is why this has been so difficult, like if I was creating a gaming app, it's all self-contained. Like everything that it does is all with itself. It doesn't have to interface with very many external systems. With finance, you have to ex- you have to interface with a lot of external systems, a lot of them. And one of those that's key is the processor. So if you think about it, Cube is actually a controller that is telling money how to move, right? Uh, it's authorizing transactions when they come in. It's telling money go here and go there. But the ones that actually do the work of moving is the processor. And then in the back behind us, there's a bank also that they help with a lot of the the uh, tough regulations that are there, and that's a pain. <laughs> yeah. uh, they help us with fraud because that's also a big problem. Right? You've got a lot of fraudsters. We just submitted reports on uh, two Russian fraudsters from just from last week. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a ton come in over Christmas. I mean, it's there's constant fraud going on in this industry, and it's really sad. It eats up a lot of resources, but we have to develop a bunch of pieces around that to interface with these other systems. That makes complete sense. So previously, proactive budgeting, now Cube, and we're going to talk more about Cube specifically. So for proactive, I'm curious, what was the turning point or even the uh, impetus for rebranding, kind of taking a look at what was going on and coming back as Cube? Originally, my idea was let's build digital cash envelopes, because that works so well at controlling discretionary spending. So that was that was a proactive budget. It was digital cash envelopes. But what we learned very quickly as we talked to our users in there is that they wanted a full banking suite that operated on that basis, on that foundation of cash envelopes and the basic fundamentals there. So Cube there's there's other reasons also branding for proactive you may have heard there's this skincare product called proactive a lot of girls know about that one <laughs> yes what's interesting i never thought about that type of proactive i was like oh proactive budgeting staying ahead of the game but now that you mention it yes there is yeah. a whole line of skincare products yeah and i never thought it'd be an issue but apparently it was an issue 70 percent of our first users are women so naturally they are very aware of that well i think they're a little more aware of it than men but that was a problem because Proactive, the company, has done an amazing job of, of branding that name. So that was that was ah. a challenge for us. Um, but the, the main reason was is that Proactive was designed to be this, and what people wanted was much bigger. They wanted a full banking suite with a foundation of budgeting. So that's what Cube is. And I've really enjoyed using the app. So I've been using it for about two to three months now. And I've primarily been using it for uh, my food budget because that's my biggest expense by far. 
I'm a DoorDasher. I'm a Uber Eatster. I'm a I'm less of a Grubhubber, but still I'll use it for that as well, just to keep track. Even when I step out to grab lunch instead of making something at home. And I've really enjoyed that kind of last minute gut check where you have to go in and open the cube and say, okay, I'm about to make this expense, allow this to go through. It sounds kind of funny, but I actually had this thought to myself where I I was 10 days into the month and I'd already set aside my dining out budget and I had already blew through like 50% of that budget. And I was looking at it like, man, do I really want to have to put more money in here? man, it's really been just like 10 days into the month. I need to slow down a bit. And there've been times where I said, you know what, let me go see what I got in the refrigerator or let me go see what I got in the pantry and see if I could put something together, which I think is one of the intents of operating with this type of system where it creates more awareness. But I I know for some people that can also be a bit of a downside because they're like, look, I just want to be able to get to my money. I just want to be able to swipe my card and go and that's it. So what do you say to folks who are approaching it that way where, where they just want to make it happen versus having to take that second to go into an app, authorize it, and let it go through. You know, so it's interesting. Historically, especially with apps, the only thing that has been available is to do budgeting after the fact. You spend, and then they can do something with that data. And so it's been reactionary budgeting, right? And the entire banking world has been focused on trying to get transactions to happen faster and faster and faster. The consequence of this are statistics that show that people are overspending by anywhere from 17 to 22%. So there's, there's that increase in spend because it's just swipe and go, swipe and go. And it disconnects our minds from our plans, from our money. It's just swipe and go. And we don't really know how much we're spending. So the idea with Cube is to put friction points at the appropriate place. This is what cash envelopes does so well. So with cash envelopes, if you have, a phys- if you have physical cash envelopes, Every time you want to spend, you have to answer two quick questions. Where's the money coming from and do I have enough? Right? So you open up your wallet or your purse, right? And you're looking inside and you're like, okay, this is going to be food. Do I have enough? And you're, you're looking at your balance and then, okay, yeah, I do. Take the money and pay. There's a friction point. But the most powerful part is that it's before the purchase. You have to do that before the purchase, which means you're naturally gaining that habit of checking your plan. Now, this gets complicated even more when you've got a partner that you're sharing money with. Right. Mm-hmm. What has she spent or he, what has he spent? And again, answering that same question, but it's more complicated because you're both using the same, same money. What's amazing with cube is with technology, we make that part easy. So the system does the hard work of keeping you two aligned in real time. It does all the adjustments with calculating the balance and all that stuff. So all the user, all the person has to do is go in and say, where's the money coming from? And do I have enough? And they're looking at their whole plan and they're going, Hmm, maybe I'll just get one burger or there's that. I could take money from, from this weekend's getaway, but I want to have a getaway. So maybe not. And people begin to make different decisions and that's the most powerful part. And what it does is it's not a restriction of you can't instead. It's an alignment of priorities saying that I can, and I choose to, because I want to do these other things that are higher priorities for me. What does that do? That creates more fulfillment in life. Right? When, we're, when we're aligning with our highest priorities, that allows us to do more things, to put more money behind the things we really, truly care about, not buying all the knickknacks and, and stuff that we really don't need to have. Right? Um, that's what we see from our users. That's what I find for myself. I, you know, I, the, the other thing, too, that's empowering is when you plan $500 in, 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 in entertainment, you know, I've got five kids, so planning for yeah. activities is important. 
and it's wonderful walking into you know an arcade with video games or whatever and know and feeling very confident like i plan to spend this money right you have intentionality with the money and you can go in, in confidence and just yeah let's go spend the money guys versus walking and thinking ah oh, let's try not to spend too much cuz and you have this anxiety and this poor relationship with money which a lot of people carry as well so so cube gives that that freedom it's a freedom of alignment with priorities and freedom to spend where it's most important to you i love that and i'm glad you went to freedom yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm glad you went to freedom because that's one of my top values and I, and i love the spin of not thinking of budgeting at least in in this instance as as restricting, but it's ultimately providing you more freedom. And, you know, I talk about budget-based banking. There's also kind of a values-based banking element of it where you're spending based off of those things that are most important to you. So I, I really like that idea. There are a lot of apps that are coming out. FinTech is super hot right now. And it's been interesting to see over the past few years, all the various platforms that have popped up. And, and I'll talk about one in a second. I was curious because I've seen other apps that have similar functionality where they try to get into this budget-based banking, as, as I'm going to call it, where you know they have something that it's like cubes, it's like envelopes, but maybe not quite, or it offers similar functionality. So how do you see Cube being different from some of the other platforms? And even some of the bigger, more traditional banks are starting to add some of this functionality into their platform. So how do you see Cube kind of really differentiating from some of the other stuff that's already out there? So the the biggest thing... You mentioned banks are trying to do this. So what banks are doing is they're banks. And traditionally, you just had one big bucket and all your money came out of there. And now what, they're, what, what a lot of banks are doing is they're trying to add categorization in. So you can now categorize those expenses. The problem is it still keeps everything very nebulous. The power of a cash envelope system, it has multiple elements to it. But one of the key elements is isolation of money. You literally want to move money into separate places that isolates it. And you have to do that when you receive your money not when you're out spending or after the fact. If you do it after the fact, it's just it's useless. Categorization afterwards helps for accounting and tracking and reports, but it does nothing to influence your purchase in that moment. Right? So it's if you're looking to become more aligned with your priorities in life, if you're looking for more freedom, better tracking's not going to do it. You have to have something that's going to help you align in that moment, and isolation of money is one factor. But the biggest factor is actually having to think about it before you spend. Again, every other system out there, including banks, it's all reactionary. They don't have the power to influence you before the purchase. And that's where Cube is, is uh, precisely different. That's where, what our patent is based on as well. With, with Cube, you have to go in and you do need to make a selection. Now, it's fast. People say, oh, I don't have to do that before spending. But um, how often are you just standing in line holding your phone and Facebook and Instagram or whatever, going over to the Cube apps fast? You can tap on where it's coming from, but just taking the moment to do that builds that behavior. So just like you were saying, Rich, when, you, when you're able to look at your plan, you all of a sudden think, oh, wait, hmm, I only have $15 in here or whatever, right? You see the reality of your situation at that moment, and it will impact for the good, for the better, because it's going to align you better with with your priorities. But the key thing there that I'm getting at is you do want to have isolation of money because you want every dollar to have a job. You don't want money just floating around nebulously or just floating around. You want to give it a job. You want to assign it purpose. And then when you're out spending, it has to be done before the purchase. Now, for some people, we get couples. So here's a, here's a really interesting scenario. Like maybe she's all about budgeting and she wants to have the, the detail of everything, but he just 
you know, he got, he's just going to take care of lunch. Maybe he's going to come home and buy something occasionally for the family, but he mostly just has kind of one cube he operates out of all the time. Cube does have the flexibility to where you can open a cube and leave, leave it open indefinitely. So you could have his card be associated to one cube and then she can just drop money in if she wants, or he could have the ability to jump in and say he wants to grab the grocery cube and spend from that. He can still do that. Mm-hmm. So there's tremendous flexibility in how we've built the tool, how we built the system. So it can operate with lots of different uh, use cases with how, with how people and families operate their money. Cool. I haven't dabbled into the uh, couple side of things yet. And, and we've been trying to figure that out over here, what platforms we want to be on. So we're on a, a couple of different things right now. We're trying to find you know one solution that does everything, but we realize it might require us to be in a, in a couple of different places and that's fine. You also mentioned this idea of categorizing. And I thought when, when I saw that functionality in Ally, so Ally is one of my primary banks. And when I saw the ability to categorize and it was like, oh, here's the core savings and here's the vacation. I'm like, oh, great. But then when I would spend out of that bucket, it was just like as if the money was just coming out of that general pool and anything in terms of determining like specifically where it came from, I would have to go in and manually do that after the fact. So I think that definitely speaks to that reactive part of it. And I have not been as diligent about that after fact management, which I assume is what happens with a lot of consumers in general. And I think that's part of what you've been speaking to. What you just said is the number one problem why people hate budgeting. It's a chore. Nobody wants to have another thing to do. They've got plenty of things to do. And if you have to go through and categorize all of your expenses from the last week, it adds an hour to two hours onto your life of a job to do when you'd rather be with your kids or out having a good time, right? You'd rather be living life and not just managing life. That's, That's a pain. You can either budget after or you can budget before. Everyone's accustomed because this is all that's ever existed, budgeting after you you purchase. But budgeting before is where the power is. That's where it's easy. It's fast. You don't have to think about it after you spend because you already did it. It's done. The other cool thing with that is the cube gives power back to people so they can control every single transaction coming in. So historically, we've had a banking system that is, is open banking, meaning anyone that knows where your money is, they can just come in and get it. They can just take it from you. There's fraud that's happening there, things like that. What Cube does, though, is we're, we're closing that wallet, closing that open banking idea, putting your wallet back in your back pocket. So if you think about it, people only get their wallets out or their purses out when they're ready to spend, right? They'd get the cash out, get the wallet, get the cash out, and they would, they would spend. Cube does the same thing where all transactions, nothing, nothing happens in Cube without the user, without the person authorizing that. So historically, the bank will just authorize anything. Cube puts all the power back in the user's control. So the user gets to decide if they're paying that transaction or not, instead of the bank saying yes, and then you having to deal with it. And maybe trying to get a refund because you didn't really want to pay that subscription or whatever, right? But all the power is right there, which has never been done before by any banking platform. And if somebody does try to, let's say, make a charge, and and I think I know the answer to this based off of an experience that, that I've had, but let's say someone is trying to do something fraudulent, I assume the user will get a a notification the same way as if you try to process a transaction and it doesn't go through, it'll say, hey, something just tried to go through for X amount. So you also have that opportunity for awareness. Well, you're always aware of what we do. So naturally, the, the account is closed. 
So if there's a random transaction that comes in or if someone swipes your card numbers, right, and then tries to go to Vegas on your card, which has happened, we've, we've watched this happen. It was really amazing. This guy tried at three different times to run someone else's card and every single time, nope, 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 because the user hadn't opened their cube or the user hadn't pre-authorized a, a transaction. So, um, but that's, that's what happens, Rich, is there is a notification that pops up in the system for the user that says, hey, Apple just tried to charge you $24. That's me right now. I've got some charge from Apple. I don't know what it's for. <laughs> Can't find it. Uh, and they're trying to get some money, but I'm not going to pay them because I don't know what it's for. So you have to authorize every, every transaction that's coming in. And honestly, for me, it's so refreshing because there's not money just getting sucked out of my account that I'm not aware of. And and I don't know how much, I haven't done any, any research on this specifically to figure out how much money people are losing on transactions like that, but it's significant. Oh, it has to be a lot because even if you think about people, uh, and this has been me too, where we have subscriptions that we know about and we say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to cancel that. And then six months later, you know what, I'm going to cancel that. And so you've let all of this time go cancel by that. where you've continued to pay that fee. And so yeah. I can imagine just how easy it is. Not even imagine I've done it where sometimes it might be a three ninety nine charge, something like, you know what, it'll be easier for me to pay it than deal with all of the back and forth with the bank. And I can imagine mm -hmm. that, that there's a ton of money that gets uh, left on the table as a result. Now, I did want to talk a little bit about one of the elephants that's kind of out there in the fintech space, because I've had the experience where a platform has sounded really exciting. I join it and then four, six months later, it's now closing their doors or it's a faux acquisition, which really meant like they ran out of money and they sold off whatever assets or, or furniture they had. And even uh, in the context of, I guess I'll just go ahead and say uh, Simple Bank, because they were recently in the news because you know they were acquired by BBVA a few years ago. And now they're essentially shutting their doors as far as that platform goes, which makes sense for the experience that I had where it kind of took a little while to be able to get up and running, but it's a valid concern where you get excited about a platform. And this happens in technology too, where for example, uh, the company that makes my home security system stopped making the product as soon as I bought it. And it's like, well, that's super frustrating. Like what's going to happen in terms of support? Whereas in this case, you get set up with a system, you get your money all organized, you hear that they're going a different direction and now you've got to move your money elsewhere. So I'm curious how you're thinking about this for, for Cube and for people who are concerned about the longevity of a new platform. And of course, we know we can't control everything that happens in the future, but I'm curious how y'all are thinking about that. The biggest thing is we have a really core, me and the, and the executive team are very dedicated to our mission. We've baked that into how we hire people. Um, we have people do projects and we kind of do them or ha have them come in slowly to make sure that they're really a fit, make sure they really have that mission. You know, we want people that really gravitate towards us. And it's been, it's been awesome because in hiring that way, we've found some incredible people, people that are, you know, closet nerd budgeters. <laughs> but, uh, but overall, it's this community, it's this core of people back here that are just really passionate about the product and passionate about the people. The mission of what we're after will hold this, will hold this on uh, in, into the future, just like it has these last five years. So our mission statement is to free people from the tyranny of money. Mm. What Cube is about is helping people achieve that freedom. And freedom comes in being in control of your money and not having it control you. It, it means having enough to sustain your lifestyle in case bad things happen, which they do all the time. 
It always happens. Something's going to come up. A storm's going to come. That's what freedom's all about. And that's what, that, that's our, our core mission, freeing people from the tyranny of money. Having a mission is, is really so important. And I'm thinking about myself where, you know, it's to inspire and empower people to create freedom for themselves. And even with paychecks and balances, it's about helping people navigate their finances and careers so they can achieve the freedom they want. So I, I totally love that mission and uh, it definitely resonates. So we're rounding toward the end here. Is there anything coming up for Cube that you want to share with people? And where can folks go to learn more? I guess, of course, Q-U-B-E, if they look it up, they'll find it. But is there anything you want to highlight that's coming up in particular? Yeah, it's Q with a Q, Q-U-B-E, money.com. The big highlight is the 29th of January. So this coming 29th, we will effectively or officially move from beta to live with our basic product. Ideally, if we stay on, on schedule, we'll, two months later, we'll move, we will launch our uh, premium product, which includes companion cards. Uh, those will start testing here next month. And then shortly after that, the family cards. So cards for kids. Those are some of the hottest uh, products that we have. In addition to that, we have two more patents that are pending with uh, some of our other technology. How we handle bills, kind of like what I've mentioned here. We've got, I think, some revolutionary uh, methods on how we'll do that, that again, will give more control back to the users so they can they can be the ones that control how their money moves, not the bank, not merchants, but them. It's power back to the users. As those pieces come out, I'm really excited to see how they're, how they're adopted and how well they affect our mission. So Ryan, it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited about Cube. I'm excited to continue using it. So folks, you're listening. I am a user of this platform and I didn't even know what the mission statement was beforehand, but I hear that and now I'm like, oh, I'm definitely about this platform. So Ryan, congrats on the upcoming exit from beta and the uh, broader launch. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you, Rich. Glad to be here. Thanks to Ryan for coming on the podcast and Cube for sponsoring today's episode. And budgeting may not be the hottest topic, but it really is at the foundation of that cash flow or at least the outbound cash flow. So whether you look into Cube or not, now is a good time to evaluate how you're tracking your spending, especially if you haven't done so in a while. So maybe you've been doing the same thing for two years and there actually is a better way. So I encourage you to look into that, even if you don't end up going with a solution like this. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share with your network and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. I'm also making a push to grow paychecks and balances on Instagram. So if you're not already following, be sure to smash that follow button on at pay balances. And if you want to take it a step further, join the private and free email newsletter community by visiting paybal.co slash email. That's P-A-Y-B-A-L dot C-O slash email. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again soon. Here's to what is hopefully a non-insurrection-y week and being back on the podcast and having good things to say. So until then, be safe. Seriously, I'm out. Peace.